0: The Patriots head back to the practice field as training camp begins in Foxborough. The Red Sox are heading south ahead of Tuesday's trade deadline. And David Ortiz, he headed to Cooperstown in the National Baseball Hall of Fame. He was inducted this past weekend. This is the Press Pass. I am Chris Ryan. Patriots back at training camp with varying degrees of expectations. Certainly, the Patriots are expected to do better than last year. Schedule is much tougher. But Mac Jones has impressed, taking big strides forward in terms of his body and conditioning and the way he's looked at training camp so far. The Patriots also look to the offseason to shore up some of the defensive liabilities. A little more athletic football team on the defensive side of things and the Patriots haven't really defined who the play caller is going to be as of yet on the offensive or defensive side of the football so Patriots begin training camp and uh, I talked with three key members of the Patriots starting with Patriots head coach Bill Belichick. Morning Bill how are you? Good Chris. Uh, kind of building upon Andrew's question, there obviously you referenced that this um, first four days here is more about installation and teaching. But even from within that, I mean, what are you looking uh, looking to uh, players in this particular you know environment where you are installing things in terms of their kind of attentiveness? And do you evaluate guys based upon you know type of questions they ask and how they go about um, their business in this stage?
1: Uh, well, there's there's always a element of all, all of us working together, uh, players, coaches, uh, working with each other across and working together in crossovers, um, and you know, getting the entire organization, all the support staff, um, in coordination, and and they've done a great job. But still, we're starting a new stage here from um, moving into off season to in season, and so there's they're just differences and we need to all build into that. We all have a job to do and and we all have things that we need to accomplish during the season and and prepare to accomplish during the season. And so this is part of it for all of us. It's coming together with you know, X's and O's, players, routine, um, communication internally on getting things done and and so forth uh, as as we have changes which you know, we have them on on a daily basis and and have a lot of them. So for the players again it's you know refamiliarization with terminology uh techniques you know communication adjustments things that we talked about in the spring and and some things that we didn't talk about in the spring uh, but you know I wouldn't expect everybody to remember every single thing uh, that we did you know two months ago or a month and a half ago whatever it was um, we uh, we all need a refresher you know, we all need to to work ourselves into, into the position that we need to be into to compete and to perform well, you know, in the National Football League. And and certainly none of us are there yet. No coaches, no players, nobody. We we all got a lot of work to do. So the training camps for.
0: Also talked with Devin McCordy. Hey Dev, how are you? Good. How you doing? Good. When you have, you know, new guys on a roster, what is the key to, to messaging? about what the Patriots are about and the way guys should, you know, kind of how they should kind of take training camp. And does Bill give you complete leeway in regard to messaging as a leader? Does he kind of push you in the direction that, um, you know, he would like you to, to go in regard to messaging? No,
2: man, I, I've never believed in kind of the whole like messaging and what you tell the guys. Like anybody who's ever done anything in life, like, you know, you, you kind of go off what you see. You know, if you go somewhere and – Everyone's saying it's so important to be on time, and then the first days you see nobody goes on time. You quickly realize, like, all right, these guys are just talking. But you know, what are their actions? And I think that's what everybody's watching. You know, what are guys doing that's been here? What's their approach to uh, to every training camp practice? What's the energy every day? What's the the tempo like? You know, what's the effort like? I think those are the things that you know, not just me or slate being leaders or older guys. It's everybody here that's been here who's been through um a Patriots camp it's it's making sure we do that day in and day out and I think that's what new guys young guys that's what they learn from and you know even guys that have been in the league they know how training camp goes you know the the work think you have to put in so um to me it's just going out and doing those things don't you know I would tell any player don't worry about telling people this and that just go out there and do it and they'll follow suit
3: here's another
0: Patriots captain Dave Andrews
3: at the professional level, you have to do what you have to do to be the best you can be out there. And that looks different for everybody. And I took things that, you know, Devin McCourty did, Matthew Slater did, and built that into my routine. You know, guys like Seabass, Ryan Wendell built that into my routine. And and I've tried to use that, you know, in different guys who have come through the locker room. that have done a long time and and built my routine around that and how I try to do my job around that.
4: Okay, appreciate it, Dave. Thanks.
3: Hey David, just kind of building on what um, Bob was
0: saying there, like, how do you go about messaging that to players? Like, is it just kind of lead by example, and and how often, you know, does does Bill kind of message through um, the leadership of the team in regard to uh, expectations
3: for young or new players? I mean, I think you know, Coach does a great job of that, and uh, yeah, I think really just you got to hold yourself to a high standard as a professional, in my opinion. And, and, um, that standard has to be able to be shown and seen. And, and, you know, a guy like James Weiss always done a great job of that. Um, just the ultimate pros pro. And, and, you know, so, um, yeah, I mean, you know, it's just, there's a combination. It's not one guy. It's not one, this, um, uh, you know, it's a foundation and, and guys that were here long before I ever got here, um, uh, so, you know, I've been fortunate to learn from a lot of those guys and, and see how they do things, too.
0: David Andrews right there, Patriots Center. Now, of course, we can hear much more from the uh, Patriots in the weeks and months to come as they gear up for the 2022 regular season. Meanwhile, people are starting to run away from watching the Boston Red Sox. It's gotten ugly down at Fenway Park. The Red Sox have lost on a consistent basis throughout the month of July, falling below 500 on this homestand and staring at, At some difficult competition and the trade deadline coming up on Tuesday. I caught up with Alex Verdugo at his Pro Camp event in which he worked with uh, individuals between the ages of 6 and 12 that came to the camp at Woburn High School, Massachusetts. And talked to them a little about the youth side of the game and also uh, what's been going on with the Red Sox. What's it like to be doing your first branded camp and to kind of seeing these kids out here and kind of returning to your your roots
4: yeah you know it's it's uh, special you know it's one of those things uh uh at first i'm nervous right you know i'm not sure like what to expect it's just you know <laughs> I, I like i feel like i'm a normal person right and so then when you get things like this it kind of just <clears throat> it's it's surreal and, it, and it's special and it's you know just brings me back to when i was a kid when i was their age and you know uh, this would have been really cool for me to to do so <clears throat> to give back and, and to be able to you know be here with these kids and just you know hang out and give them some knuckles and, and just talk to them is it's a lot of fun for me and you know hopefully it's a lot of fun for them. Is it a good reset for you as well because a lot
0: of times you guys will talk about you know, the grind of the season and how difficult it can be but to return to your roots with the kids see the enjoyment of the game does it kind of take you back in regard to
4: baseball? 100 percent yeah definitely I think you know when we're uh, in the big leagues, you know, there's a lot of stuff that goes on to it. Um, outside of baseball, you know, the the fans, everybody talking, there's a lot of noise. So, um, you know, especially, and then when you're not playing well, it's, you know, it even adds to it. So this is kind of one of those things that, uh, like you said, it's a reset, it's a refresher. it's It's something that, you know. It just reminds you, like, hey, what are we doing? Like, this is a kid's game. This is a game that, you know, we play because we have fun, right? We love this game, and, you know, and for me, it's just this is – it makes me remind myself of, like, when I was in Little League, when I was in travel ball. So uh, those were a lot of fun times for me, and, you know, just kind of – doesn 't like necessarily respark that flame of like love for the game, but you know it just makes you really appreciative of how far you've come and, and you know just, just the steps and progress I, i've made you see the kids
0: smiling and at times you know the game can be as we talked about before you know difficult um, How do you kind of try to keep the game fun because even guys the pro level talk we need, you need to keep the game fun in order to be able to have success
4: yeah yeah, I think that comes from you know you got a lot of different personalities uh, on the team, so you know you got guys that are always messing around, always, uh, you know, like for like one and like Kike, right? Yep. He's just over the top with energy and 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 just kind of crazy, right? But uh, for me, it's just you know I've always had fun playing this game. When I when I get in between the lines, I just I'm ready to compete and ready to. It's kind of like my safe zone, right? You know, even though yeah, you have a chance of going 0 for 4, and you know the success whatever it doesn't really matter to me cuz you know when i'm in between the lines like like i'm doing something that i love for my job right so i'm so blessed that <clears throat> i can i can you know be out there every day historic park like fenway is is amazing so <clears throat> for us it's just you know try not to you try not to take it too serious you know you take it too serious it, it, the season gets longer and longer and longer so you know you have fun you loosen up it's just just, just play, play the game, right?
0: Finally, these kids are you know six to twelve years old. What's kind of the the baseline <clears throat> thing that you hope that they take away today, and that you think is important for kids at that age?
4: Uh, I think the biggest thing is that you know, right now it, it's just about having fun. You know, get these kids out here. I think the biggest thing is you know you see it right here is just. Everybody playing with everybody, you know. That's the biggest thing is being outdoors. You know, I feel like a lot of the kids now nowadays are really into electronics, really into gaming and things like that. It's still when I play, when I was growing up, I, I was never really playing video games, doing stuff like that. I was always outside, always moving around, staying active. So <clears throat> the biggest thing for them is just you know get out here, move around, have some fun. Get get a couple coaches here to to give them some pointers and you know, if they love this game and they really want to do this, then, you know, it's about just keep on making little tiny strides, you know, just trying to figure out if you can, you know, just get a little smarter. At this age, like, you always have something to learn, you know, and, and even at my age, too, like, being a professional baseball player, I'm always learning every day, so the biggest thing is just, you know, have fun, man, let these kids just do their thing, you know, don't push them too hard, but, you know, they, they have that fire in them, they're, they're going to keep progressing and Wanting to do this. Appreciate it. Now to
0: David Ortiz, who was enshrined in Cooperstown this past weekend and celebrated at Fenway Park on Tuesday. Ortiz spent a lot of time thanking those around him, as you do when you go into the Hall of Fame, but particular focus on his teammates, both in the speech as well at his press availability. Here's that.
5: Going back to my Minnesota days, all the way to Boston, um all I can say man, is that uh I try to always have my teammates back and they feed me back with the same thing. That's why you're gonna see so many of them out there uh, tomorrow. This is uh, a fraternity that uh, uh um, the same way it goes here. In Cooperstown, we all the sell of famer. That that you see going on here, we build it up on the field through our, our careers. You need to be a good teammate. You got to be able to l- let them know that you're always going to be there for them. It's your second family, you know. It's the people that you hang out as much as you do with your family. So I always want to make sure that my teammates and everybody feel comfortable around me. Uh, because it's not just about the talent, the god giving talent that you get. It's about having the shoulders back and and being able to, to as a team, provide. A lot of people come to me and be like, hey, man, 2004, 2007, 2013, all those years you have great season. You did this, you did that. And I'm like, yes, I did it, but without my teammates, I don't think I would have accomplished any of it. You know what I'm saying? So... Uh, my teammates all means a lot to me and they they know that. They know that.
0: I talked with former Red Sox manager and current Guardian skipper Terry Francona about Ortiz. Looking back at 04. How integral was you know his his swagger and his persona in what you guys accomplished outside of the you know, obviously on-field uh, attributes? Well,
6: I was going to say, I don't think it's the swagger. I think it was the home runs oh, yeah. and the hits. The... The whole team had their own kind of persona, um, but you could have all kind of persona. If you're 0 for 4, you can take that persona and take it right back to the house. You know, what was important was the way he came through in the clutch time after time after time. That's what helped. If I could hit like that, I'd have a swagger (laughs) too.
0: Was there a point where it kind of connected where you knew he was something special?
6: Well, I mean, shoot, man, I just, you know, you... I was around him for the whole year in 0-4. I mean, what guys take it maybe to another level in the in the off or in the playoffs? That maybe their legacy, but what he did during that year, he was already special.
0: With fellow Hall of Famer and former Yankees closer Mariano Rivera,
6: I'm happy that he's uh, going into the Hall. Uh, facing David uh, it was a challenge. He's a great uh, left-handed hitter, and. Uh, but, I mean, overall, I mean, he's part of the team now. So, I mean, we welcome him and uh, wish the best for him.
0: Mariana, what impressed you most about David as a hitter in terms of you know, his approach against you or just generally?
6: I mean, generally. I mean, his approach towards uh, the game of baseball and to everything that he did was amazing. You know, I mean, uh, thank God that he was given the opportunity in Boston and he took advantage of it. So, I mean, uh, overall, he did great. That's why he's here.
0: How would you describe that 0304 time period and how you know Ortiz kind of changed the rivalry to some extent where you guys were dominating Boston and his impact was obviously significant?
6: It was amazing. Again, I mean, all along for all these years and uh, the years to come, it will be like that. So, I mean, uh, that rivalry between Yankees and Boston, what was will be, you know, we keep it like that and uh, we wish uh, that everybody uh, plays the game and respect the game.
0: Here's a couple more now of David Ortiz's Hall of Fame teammates. First with Jim Tomey comparing and contrasting their approach and their swing. What similarities do you see in him as as a hitter between you and him? Uh well
7: we're both left-handed. We both hit for power, but I would say mainly as young players, we were hitters. You know, we were yeah, like like I think David is a I'll speak for David. David is a guy that actually like transformed himself into a power hitter, but early in his career, he could really hit the ball the other way, and he was a
0: true—he was a true hitter, gap to gap. Here's George Bratt. George, what stood out to you about David Ortiz as a hitter? Uh, clutch.
7: You know, I never—I don't think I ever played against him. Uh, I, I know he came up with the Twins, I believe, didn't he? Yeah. And then somehow got to the Red Sox, and it just seemed like any big moment of any big game. He happened to be the guy at the plate, and he happened to succeed. You know, he had some great games on in playoff time, in crunch time. He had some great at-bats, and uh, and that's basically what stands out, you know. I couldn't tell you the highest he ever hit. I couldn't tell you the most home runs he ever hit, but it seemed like every time the Red Sox needed a hit in a situation, he was the guy that delivered.
0: Also talked with a couple Hall of Fame relief pitchers about how they would approach pitching to our First, Lee Smith, then Goose Gossage. Lee Smith is one of the greatest closers of all time, and I pose this question How would you pitch to
8: David Ortiz? Very carefully. Uh, he, he, came, he became a really, really good hitter once he came over there, and I think a lot of that got to go to credit to Manny Ramirez when he was there, you know. But, you know, it, it's always there. You can have all the success in the world, have all the help in the world, but it has to be in there. And Big Papi has that, man. And, and, and I, I tell you what, man, he's a hard worker. You know, you don't hear about being a great hitter, but all the things he had to go through to get there.
0: How would you have pitched David Ortiz? Oh, i high and tight, low
8: and away, everybody, yeah.
0: More with Goose coming up next week. Johnny Bench as well on the press pass. We stick with Hall of Fame induction ceremonies in Cooperstown. And we're going to hear from one of the inductees in just a moment. Let's go through the inductees before we do that. And Tony Oliva, a guy who I got to know a little bit down in Fort Myers as the Red Sox and Twins share that town. An incredible human being, an awesome hitter as well, and a deserving inductee into the Hall of Fame. We'll hear from Jim Cott in just a moment, but I want to get to Rod Carew, one of the great all-time hitters on Tony Oliva. Joined by the great Rod Carew, and Rod, what does it mean to you to see Tony go into the Hall of Fame this year? You took to early brothers.
8: Well, you know, I cried when he was nominated. You know, I couldn't be there uh, because my doctors didn't allow me to fly, so I had to call Bert Blyleven because he was there, and I said, "You got to pinch it for me and get these guys in." And he did, and um, it's been great because it's long; it's been a long time coming, you know. And and I know Tony; this is one of the happiest days of his life.
0: How would you define the connection between you two?
8: Well, <laughs> we're like brothers. You know, I roomed with him for eleven years. He was the first one that drew me to him, taught me about handling myself on the field and off the field. Uh, And we're still very close today.
0: I want to ask you about David Ortiz as well, came up with the Twins. What do you remember about him there, and what do you think of him overall as a hitter in in intellectual terms in addition to being a, a power hitter, the way he saw the game, the way he anticipated the game?
8: Well, you know, Dave... He was there uh, with the Twins, you know, and I expected great things of him because Tony had told me about him, but it didn't work out there, and then he went to Boston, and Big Poppy became Big Poppy, you know. Hit home runs, hit the ball all over, drove in runs, and uh, he's just a great guy. You,
0: well, you talked about how you, you know, thought thought through the game and set pitchers up and all the different aspects when it comes to hitting from a mental standpoint, and perhaps that's missing from the game to a large degree. But did David Ortiz have that?
8: Oh yeah, he knew what he wanted to hit, and when he got it, he made sure that he he made contact. Um, the game has changed so much today that they're not going to have the. There might have a few of the players that, are, that could play when we play, uh, but it's such a big change that I don't even watch baseball anymore. The only games I watch are the Twins games because I work for them, and I try to help the kids out.
0: So Jim Cotton was inducted into the Hall of Fame, that interview in just a second. But also some individuals who have passed on who were inducted. Gil Hodges, the great first baseman for the Brooklyn Dodgers and manager of the Miracle Mets in 69. Bud Fowler, uh, the first believed to be African-American He is believed to be the first African-American to play professional baseball and actually hails from Cooperstown, New York. Buck O'Neill, the Negro League's pioneer and a guy who, after watching the baseball documentary America, fell in love with the Ken Burns documentary back in 1994. Minnie Minoso, the Cuban Comet, those were the uh, inductees who have passed on, who were inducted into the National Baseball Hall of Fame. Jim, just talk about what this all means to you, the whole experience to be at the hotel with these guys.
7: I'd say the one word that uh, first comes to mind is humbling. As you know, I waited a long time, so it's not like a lot of the first timers that are, you know, they're kind of antsy about, well, will I get in the first ballot or second ballot? And I didn't know if I'd ever get in. So uh, I'm just uh, taking it all in and, you know, I look around at some of the great players when i went through the museum and i i just think man it's it's hard to believe i'm actually in the same fraternity
0: with them yeah did you think this day was ever going to come for you did you kind of reconcile with what may or may not happen
7: i really i had it in my rearview mirror Mm -hmm. and i was playing golf with mike schmidt uh a year ago in the spring in florida because mike and i were teammates play some golf together good friends and uh, I always get asked that question, what about the Hall of Fame? You think you'll get it? And I said, you know, I pretty well put it in my rearview mirror because when I look at the starting pitchers in the Hall of Fame, they're all dominant, number one, perennial all-stars, opening day starters. There's only a couple years that I have sort of fit that profile. And they've never really, I think, until me, rewarded a pitcher that had a long career but not necessarily a dominant career. And so I said, I don't think so. And then Schmitty said in his cool way, don't be too sure. I'm on the committee this year, and I'm going to state your case. So I was fortunate. I had guys that I played against, and I know the process. I mean, they really scrutinize. And I was fortunate to get in right on the number because my good friend Dick Allen missed by one vote. So if one of those voters, it came down to two, and they said, well, I'm going to vote for Dick instead of Jim, his, wife, his widow gave me a wonderful call on Monday morning, and I'd be saying, well, Will, and I'm calling you now because Dick's in and I'm out. So I know it's a very fine line to, between being there, and I'm appreciative of it.
0: In conclusion on the National Baseball Hall of Fame induction ceremony, if you ever, ever get the opportunity to do so, go. It turns the town of Cooperstown into a living history museum. Running into Paul Molitor at the bat shop, Johnny Bench at the bakery is a commonplace thing, and it is an absolutely amazing experience. We'll have more from the Hall of Fame coming up next week. As I mentioned, Johnny Bench and Goose Gossage next week. This has been the Press Pass.